State of the Industry podcast. Welcome, everybody. I am Adam Youngsma, and this is the State of the Industry podcast. I'm really excited to be on this journey with you, to be really stepping in and looking at the industry from a really unique perspective. Within this podcast, we're going to be trying to break down exactly like what is going on in the industry and where is it going? So we're going to be talking with some of the industry leaders and the pioneers, the thought leaders, to bring you as much actionable information so you can prepare not only better for what you're currently doing, but prepare better for the future as well. Today, I've got a special guest. He's a really good friend of mine and a colleague of mine, Ante O'Connor. And within this podcast session, we go deep into his very unique story and how it's affected everything that he does as a trainer and how he views personal training. And then we talk about how we can better adjust the why, why we get into personal training, why we start doing it, and how we can kind of maintain our motivation throughout our careers. And then we talk a little bit about the goal setting for clients and how we can be a bit more um, proactive in our approach to that goal setting process. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the State of the Industry podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Ante O'Connor. Ante, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Uh, really excited to get this started. Uh, been looking forward to doing this for a long time. We've been talking about doing this for a really long time. For over a year now. Yeah. Yes, we have been. So I don't know why now we just finally decided that this was a good idea, but um, I got super hyped when you said that it's going down and you gave me a date. I probably want to ask you why now? Like what happened? Like, um, well, honestly, it just kind of got to the point where, uh, like, I do a lot of traveling, so uh, not only presenting courses across country, but also uh, it was my first time doing a, you know, a true international presentation. They say you're not an international presenter till you've went to more than two countries. And um, I don't count Canada. So I've presented in the US and now finally in China. And just while being over there, uh, being able to have conversations with some of the industry leaders and the innovators in the industry, I just want to kind of have the ability to have those discussions, but also enable the listeners are following to experience that and, and learn from them as well. I don't want to hoard it all to myself. That is awesome and pretty cool. Um, by the way, you didn't show me pictures yet, FYI. I didn't. You did not. That's my bad. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I'll have to get on that. Well, let's get into this because uh, I do have a lot of stuff that I want to get through, a lot of questions I have for you. Because cool. I, I know, like, we've known each other for a fairly long time, right? Funny enough, I was filing for my passport, and I used you as a reference, and I was like, it's been like four years, right? Four or five years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Since that, since that, that time ba back in Vaughn. Mm -hmm. So I've heard your story before. So I've kind of heard, um, well, actually, how about before we do this? Yeah. What do you do? Right now? Yeah. Like, well, okay. So I 
instruct courses, and I personal train. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yes, I do. Nice. So now getting back to my original question. Yeah. So I, I know your story. I've heard it before um, back when we first got to know each other a little bit, and it, I, I always love hearing it. And it was actually one of those things when you first started teaching, I was like, if you really want to not only get yourself comfortable in the environment, but also have your students really um, become attached or uh, buy into what you're saying to them, you know, tell them your story because it's a very powerful one because it's, it's different from what a lot of people's stories is um, when you're thinking about how they became a trainer and their, their journey to becoming a trainer. A lot of them, it's like, well, I just thought of it one day and here I am. But yours is, is very, very different. So can you, can you just give the audience just a little bit of an understanding about how you got to where you are professionally? Okay. So what's cool about that, it relates directly to the course itself, in a sense. So when you told me that, you told me to, you know, gave me the advice to open up a bit before I do the workshop. The first thing in the workshop, one of the first things is telling the students, like, why connecting with your why is important. And I got a big taste of that at that point. So this is my first podcast ever. Nice. Thanks again for having me. Broke so it's similar right now, right? Like, it's my first podcast. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just kind of going with the flow. We're having a conversation. It's cool. But you have this recording device. So it's like, okay, everything I'm saying is recorded. Got it. So connecting with my why right now, even so I never used to be as fit as I am today. My arms weren't always 16 inches of gains. <laughs> <laughs> um, before that, I was OK. So I was fit at a point. I used to play basketball. I used to back up dance. I was a choreographer. Then I fell in love with Chinese food very late at night. And before I knew it, I was 318 ish pounds pure fat, my family being, you know, Caribbean. We ate a lot of carbs and fried and just not the healthiest things. And then my new love for milkshakes from McDonald's. Sorry. So how much, how much did they neglect you when you were like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving Caribbean food for Chinese. How oh, did they feel? You have no idea. Okay. Not even that. Okay. So the Chinese food was addition <laughs> with, <laughs> with the Caribbean food, but my mother owned a takeout restaurant in Shoreham in Toronto and every Thursday she would do Friday night fried chicken. It would be what we eat with rice and peas. And when I decided to, to lose weight and I told her like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to have this tuna and veggies instead. She looked at me like I'd actually lost my mind. Like I was being disowned. I love my mom. So when I did that, I knew it was actually going to work. Like yeah. I was actually going to lose weight, but um, okay. Backtrack to, yeah. So I was really overweight. I had, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, pre-diabetic. I would say self-diagnosed depression because, like, who's really all that happy when you're not confident in your own skin, right? Yeah. And I was managing a beer store at the time, and I looked in our, like, non-reflective mirror, and anyone, any one of my people that are overweight know you pull your shirt to hide your stomach because we think that's going to actually hide our stomach by, like, just fixing our top. I saw my top, and I'm like, wait a second, that's not my top. And I hadn't realized I'd went from like basketball and backup dancing to actually being like really overweight. Not that I was like very fit before, but I was always you know, borderline, like heavier built, but not overweight. 
So at that point, it was I was talking about it. Now I was telling people I wanted to lose weight. I acknowledged that I was actually overweight. Weighed myself at an airport, and to my surprise, I actually saw the three hundred and eighteen pound mark. So wait, so you weighed yourself at an airport? Was this was yeah. this while you were trying? You're supposed to weigh your bag. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what and happened. You, and they let you stand on that weigh scale. Okay. So at the time, I had a friend that worked at WestJet. Okay. <laughs> so this is how I found out my weight. I'm not even kidding. I swear. So I went to WestJet because my friend worked there, and I think they had to pick up like their pass that they used to get into like the rooms or whatever. So we go there, and she's like, "How much do you think you weigh?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm obviously 180. Like I've been 180 my whole life, right?" Yeah. And she's like, you're definitely not 180. I'm like, no, no, I am. Like, 180, maybe 185. I stood on the, the scale, and it said 318 pounds. And this is, like, say, like, the week of me seeing that my shirt didn't fit. So, like, it's all coming together now. I actually can see my weight. So, at that point, I'm talking about it all the time. Like, yeah, I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to join a gym. My friend for New Year's, so I was a New Year's resolution, by the way. So, my friend for New Year's got me uh gym pass at a commercial gym so then i go to the gym oh, finally after like chris so i got it for christmas as a gift and then i used it in the new year so i go to uh the gym in the new years and i got a, a consultation so when you meet your the trainer that's going to train you so i get this consultation and uh his name's dave good old dave anyone that i've done a class with knows dave because i talk about him every time because he's so special to me so dave and the fitness manager uh, sit down, me and my friend, and they're telling us about fitness. And then he takes me through an assessment. So I just want you to picture this. I'm 318 pounds. Dave gives me a BOSU, so that half moon kind of stability block for all my people that know what that is. He told me to stand on it with one foot, bend down, and touch the ground. And if I can't do that, I have poor core stability. That was, <laughs> that was my assessment. So, of course, I fell. How, how long ago was this? Oh, shoot. This was like, so I would say like eight years now, right? About eight years. Wow. How far we've come. We'll, we'll, t we'll talk on later episodes maybe about the BOSU and yeah. stuff like that. So, Continue. Sorry. So, yeah. So, Dave wanted me to touch the ground. And I don't know if you've ever tried to bend down on a BOSU. That thing starts to shake and tremble. So, I take a fantastic fall. And then Dave goes, just as I suspected, uh, you're definitely uh, in need of uh, personal training. Because that was the end all, be all assessment, right? So, then he gets me to do that. I fall down. And I can't move at all. Like, I can't do bicep curls. I can't do, I 100% can't do a, a push-up. So, but my friend that I was with had been, like, a bit more fit than I was. So, like, she was able to do, like, push-ups, bicep curls. And he kept complimenting her technique. Like, oh, wow, that's really good. How could you possibly be here with him? He's terrible. He definitely needs help. So just, like, not like I was in the best mood to begin with, right? So he just completely breaks me down to the smallest point. Then, you know, locks me in this room. And says, okay, so, you know, based on this assessment, um, you need to buy personal training today. It's going to be $10,000. Like, let's get you started. And I'm like, you know, I just signed up today. Maybe, I'll, you know, I'll think about it. He, I kid you not, locks the door basically. And it's like, no, you need to make a decision now. What are you going to do? So I'm not the most confrontational, to say the least. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll look into, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get signed up. Let me grab my wallet. It's in the car. And you know 100% I did not come back, right? Like, not till that, like, that week. Yeah. So uh, that gym closed at midnight. So I started to go, which this sucks, by the way. Like, who wants to feel like that, right? So that, so that week, I actually did go to the gym because I had the, my new membership. So me and my same friend, we went at, like, 
10.30 at night because I knew Dave wouldn't be there, right? Yeah. So we get to the gym, and she surprises me with, like, a bag of, like, three jogging pants, three shirts from Nike. And, you know, I saw everybody in the gym wearing all this cool gear, and, like, I had this brand-new fit because I didn't know what to wear to the gym. No one tells you the dress code, right? Like, what's Lululemon? Do they make men's clothing? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I get this bag of clothes. I feel like I'm feeling myself. My confidence raised, like, you know, a tick on the confidence scale. I put on my new pants and my shirt. I was feeling myself and started working out. So I got started like that and wanted to learn more. So I did some uh, technology-based education, took some courses and things like that so I could train myself. Had three days, three designated days that I picked, all while, you know, making food changes and all that without, like, going crazy into nutrition, just basically not drinking soda and having a ton of milkshakes, right? Yeah. Small changes. Kept doing that and stayed consistent. Picked three days, eventually added in a fourth day. And in six months, I had lost 100 pounds. Nice. So that got kind of crazy. So backtrack. Prior to this, I have an uncle that's actually a personal trainer. Yeah. So he's a celebrity trainer, my uncle Duran. Super cool guy. He had met, he brought me to the gym once before when I was much younger. I did like one exercise and never came back for like four years. So... <laughs> That's what happened there. Sore for that long. Eh? <laughs> I was basically sore for that long. He said, you need time to recover. I was recovering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he um, basically saw me after the six months and saw that I was actually finally serious. So I don't know if I mentioned this. My uncle's a celebrity trainer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's a celebrity trainer. So he didn't just like, he didn't want to just train me if I wasn't going to be serious. So once I had lost the hundred and he was like, okay, that's, you know, it's really impressive. Like, how about you come by my gym? So I went to his gym. And uh, continued losing weight. But I at this time, I didn't really understand. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold on. Pause. So the gym I was at, I went between that gym and my uncle's gym. So I worked out at both gyms. So my uncle's gym had seen me lose like 100 pounds, Yeah, basically. So a uh, member started to approach me and ask me like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm pretty much an extrovert. I like to talk a lot. So I was telling everybody, I'm like, oh, you got to do this. You got to eat that. Do you know what macronutrients are? Hey, oh my gosh, that's not how you squat. Let's save your knee. So then they were like, all right, you're either going to work here or you're going to never come back because like trainers work here. So then they hired me as a dance instructor because of my dancing background. Then my uncle started to train me. So he introduced me to like true resistance training and periodization and just eating right to now not just lose weight, but to gain muscle mass. Because at this point I had lost so much weight and since I didn't have training to begin with, I made a lot of mistakes and lost a lot of muscle in my journey to getting fitter, basically. So he started to help me at that point, and we trained together, and he taught me actual form and technique, how to squat, move better, more so from an aesthetic point of view, but also with some like core pieces and you know just moving better and just not sitting down all day. Yeah, so that was a big piece there. So he played a huge part in me wanting to be a trainer, really, because I didn't really, like, I was a dance instructor. I was never really a trainer. And seeing that, and oh, the best part is when he told me I have to actually work out every day. Remember, I told you I only worked out four times a week? Yeah. He looked at me, and he's like, okay, so I'm like, okay, so if you're training me, like, when's my day off? He's like, day off. You train every day. I guess you could rest on Saturdays if you need to. So I didn't realize that you could train like that if you programmed it properly right so that was it that was a huge piece for me so yeah that's pretty much my journey to getting into training yeah pretty much nice yeah. yeah um and you mentioned a couple things that are that are quite interesting uh but i'll ask you the one that you kind of finished off with which is about 
a little bit more about your uncle because uh, a lot of people when they first get into the you know fitness routine or they want to get into the fitness industry and actually become a trainer finding that mentor finding that individual who can guide them through is is very very important for many of them because oftentimes you can get lost you can get uh, demotivated you can kind of see your your passion start to dwindle away a little bit um, because it's not an easy industry like a lot of a lot of people look at it as being something that you know if if you're gonna go and work in it you're gonna be a personal trainer like it's it's really easy now it's enjoyable but there are it is hard it's still a job you're still selling you're still trying to sell yourself right and your and the services that you that you give so how important is it for new trainers to find a good mentor early in their career to help kind of mold or shape their their kind of their training style their training philosophy i think it's ginormous actually it's ginormous for the trainer it's ginormous for a client um it's the only way it really becomes a habit so train i've had i'm i'm really blessed to have had a few mentors i could comfortably say so my uncle was a huge mentor and looking back even at him like i didn't even realize his level of like just like i would say experience knowledge because he did things in such a way it didn't even feel like you know a lot of people get discouraged from fitness and talking about fitness because they don't understand the language right yeah so he did things at the beginning and he used the simplest language and now that i know what i know even like connecting with your why right when i'm when i met him he was like okay so honestly like what do you want why like why are you doing this and like i was like oh you know the doctor said i have high cholesterol high blood pressure and he's like no seriously like what do you actually want and he's like like seriously and i'm like no like i want you know to be healthier and live longer and he's like okay let me just tell you straight up I want to be sexy. This is what I want. And then he's like, would you like to look nice with the shirt off? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, okay. And he starts to ta- ask me about like what personal questions I didn't see coming from him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, he's like, yeah, like, you know, if you've had a girlfriend in the past, imagine if you worked out and were more confident, you'd probably be less intimidated to approach someone that you're really interested in. And I'm like, well, yeah. And like, I don't know. He started to sell me this Lamborghini. And I was like, oh, really? Like, so you're saying... And, like, he just made it, like, but it really, he was making me connect with my true why. And it kind of, when I would go to the gym now and I would work out, I would think about my why a bit more. Then, um, I, I being overweight, I never wore, like, tank tops or, like, you know, cut off or jerseys or whatever you'd call them. And, like, he would, like, well, during our workouts, he'd be like, oh, it's time. Well, I'm like, time for what? It's time to cut off those sleeves. You're ready. And he'd build my confidence. Because, remember, I was coming from a bad place, right? Yeah. So, just him being able to... Because that's the type of personality I, personality type I had. So he recognized that and he knew kind of what to say to build my confidence because that's what I truly, I thought I just wanted results, but I needed confidence. Yeah. So that was cool. So he was a great mentor. Then, you know, a couple of the workshops I did, one of the first um, group classes I, I did, the, uh, the instructor was like r- really good. And, you know, he demonstrated some really like good pieces or just the way he spoke made me like, wow, like I'd love to be a trainer that could talk like this. Mm-hmm. The way he dealt with the class and interacted, I thought that was really great. And not to be that guy, but, you know, then, like, luckily, like, when I met you, <laughs> when I met you, it was, like, I've never met someone that actually cared about people moving better. So, so like, how I met you, like, you were my, you were my manager, my boss. Yeah. And when you came to that commercial gym, it was, like, 
anyone I had met before that was all about sales and selling and numbers. And I'm like, this is 100% not why I became a trainer. And then you coming in like, okay, guys, so who here knows how to train? <laughs> like, I beg your pardon. I'm going to take a second to watch everybody train their client for a bit and just, you know, just hang around, be a fly on the wall. I'm going to teach you a squatting clinic or how to, it's, it's just like, whoa, what is going on right now? So people actually care. So having a mentor and like trainers, you can like aspire to be like and adopt some of their techniques is unreal. I tell my classes all the time. I highly recommend working at a commercial gym just to meet different people to be a bit inspired, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's huge to have a mentor. It doesn't matter what you're doing, even like not, not being yourself, but could definitely take, you know, that's that whole growth mindset, fixed mindset thing. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, like you mentioned commercial gyms, but I just think I don't like, I don't know if commercial gyms is necessarily, you know, you've got to work at one of those, but working at different gyms and seeing the way that different people train, different people manage facilities, different types of yeah. clients and getting that type of experience, right? Because I think that's what really gives you the breadth of knowledge in order to understand where you stand in that because every single person like i've managed a few different facilities so every different every personal trainer is different they all bring their own personality their own philosophy their own experiences their own um i guess rating of what is important and what isn't into their own training and the idea isn't that you necessarily want to change that when you're an educator or you're um you're a manager, you're not trying to change that in the person, but you're trying to help them see that, you know, you mentioned managers who are very salesy, right? And very sales oriented. And I've seen that too, but actually in my interview for that, for that managing position, uh, one of the things that I said to them was like, I I am an educator, like that's what I do. And so that's how I'm going to help my team grow and how I'm going to help my team succeed. I'm not necessarily, I'm not the best seller in the world, but what I can do is I can teach them how to better serve their clients and by them better serving their clients, getting them moving better, more pain-free, getting them to the goals that they want to see, they'll be able, like, that'll sell itself. Okay. Right? And I think that's, that's just a difference in, in mindset between them, right? Because a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of gyms are very sales-oriented when the sales come after, yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think that's a big, uh, a big differentiation that needs to, that needs to take place. Um, so I wanted to ask you another question. So going once again back to the, your, your story a little bit, you mentioned that you were really into uh, Chinese food and your Caribbean food. Um, and Sp- spicy shrimp to be specific, spicy shrimp from Watu's from Watu's. Yeah. If for all my people that know Watu's. Yeah. And then you were, you're, you know, drinking a lot of calories as well. I know you mentioned milkshakes and, you know, different juices. All the calories from drinking. Sprite and Fruitopia mixed. I didn't know what water was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so my question is this, because for a lot of people, and, and I know you've seen this working with clients, and I've seen this working with clients, and, like, I teach a few courses at a, at a college nearby, and one of the things whenever I'm talking with um, either general population or even trainers is how do you get people to actually stick with 
these small little lifestyle changes without making it too much too soon that it's such a drastic change that they just default back to their original patterning. And so I guess my question for you is like, how did you do that? Like, how did you get to the point? Like, I know you, it appears that you hit kind of this, this wall and you're like, I'm done. Like, you know, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my ways and I'm going to do that. But how do you instill that same feeling in people who may not be um, at that same point, who may not have the same motivations that you do? So a hundred percent, I think like, you know, different strokes for different folks. Right. So, but for, for myself and I think the best way is, yeah, it was definitely super incremental with me. It wasn't, it wasn't at all kind of like when you're teaching someone to squat, you can't talk about their ankle, their hip, their this, their that, like they'll get confused. Right. Yeah. So it was the same thing for me. I, I allowed myself to have whatever I wanted for breakfast. Didn't matter. As long as I was eating breakfast, I was eating something. Yeah. So I did that. So first of all, I had breakfast and then my, 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 um, a little bit better was I went from Sprite and Fruitopia mix. Cause if you drink soda, that's how you drink soda. Mm-hmm. Sprite and Fruitopia mix. I went from that to Nest tea. I know like what's the difference, right? To me, Nest tea was healthier than Sprite and Fruitopia. It says tea. It says tea, right? Especially if you get the green tea one, it Exa- says green tea. That's exactly what I'm, and that was my mindset, yeah. which is probably like majority of the population. Okay. So I'm like, okay, okay. so Nest tea is more healthy than, uh, or healthier than Sprite and Fruitopia. Let's do that. Then I was like, oh, wow, it's not all that much healthier. I learned, I started reading labels. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, these, like, I was so confused. Like, wait a second. My Nest tea is the same as my Sprite. So then I went from that to, what did I go to next? To one um, orange juice in the morning. And those aspartamed water drinks okay. in the evening. So, like, not the healthiest, but a little bit better, right? And it said there was no calories. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm not drinking all my calories anymore. So that was one of the first changes I made. I had a breakfast joint around my neighborhood. I grabbed breakfast in the morning. And then I started eating every two hours after that. So then I started incorporating a time eating, basically. So, in other words, a routine. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have a routine. I just made sure whatever I ate was every two hours. I started to eat for a snack, Nutrigrain bars. So I wasn't familiar with like calories versus nutrients and calorie dense versus nutrient dense. Yeah. So I just had a Nutrigrain bar. I knew I had to eat something if I wanted to, you know, stay eating throughout the day. So I wasn't hungry in the nighttime and just went to Watu's, defaulted yeah. to Watu's. Then again, I looked at the labels and I was like, wow, this Nutrigrain bar has absolutely nothing in it. Went from that to bananas. At least I had bananas and I knew there was vitamins or minerals in bananas. Yeah. I knew enough to know that because at this time I'm so new to nutrition. I don't know very much at this point and I'm taking workshops and they're more so about exercise than the nutrition side of things at this time. So I went to that to snacks. Then I went, then I found, I learned a lot more about macronutrients and my carbohydrate intake. So I started to use that as fuel earlier in the daytime and I made sure my dinners were a lot lighter and just started cutting out packaged things and just every day i made a new change or every week rather and eventually as you start seeing results that's the motivation right there it's wow i lost 10 pounds people started telling me i look good and i was like well if you think i look good imagine and i knew the things i was still working on mm-hmm. then once i saw i lost a, a good amount of weight i could start to incorporate like say bread again and kind of watch the scale like did something change oh nothing changed oh something changed because I ate it for a few more days this week and it got easier to maintain that. So it was definitely incremental, little changes. 
still helped myself. Like my mom makes pretty good food. I still had it once in a while, mm -hmm. but not at the beginning. At the beginning, I was really strict, and I lessened the strictness as I progressed a bit. Yeah, yeah. So definitely incremental. I I was really at the at that that point where something had to change, and it was drinking my calories. So that was a huge thing. Yeah, I would say so incremental little changes every day, every week. That helped. Seeing the results did really help, though. Mm -hmm. But I, the thing I, I think is you just really can't lie to yourself. You can't kind of hide and eat things and expect things to change, right? Yeah. So since I actually did those changes and I wasn't lying to myself, I wasn't eating late at night because I got hungry and I sacrificed those few weeks and saw a little bit of change and started to feel better, it made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And again, like I had... Um, support too right so the support was a huge help like my friend that got me the gym membership yeah you know kind of not staying on top of me but we had each other so that's why like having a trainer or a friend or somebody there with you is a huge help right now with uh just imagining now with clients i know that don't have it i try to be more supportful yeah so that's something i do so even if like it's a whatsapp group and it's a quick hey you you got this i feel like that's it's huge because it sucks when, you know, you feel like you're on your own. Yeah. So I think that would be it. Just not feeling alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you're working with clients, because um, a lot of your clients, they renew regularly. Um, most of your clients have been with you for, well, as long as I've known you. Yeah. Um, but where do you see, um, not necessarily your clients, but most clients, like where do you see them fail when they're trying to uh, get basically from a sedentary, um, you know, poor eating habit lifestyle into more of an active, so trying to make that healthy choice into more of an active, more healthy diet type lifestyle, where do you see most of them fail? I see them fail when they stop showing up. They, like, I kind of see them fail when they, they are no longer motivated. So one thing I've realized and this is going to, it's kind of crazy, but with my clients, right? Yeah. With my clients, I have, I've, I have like 18 yeah. at times. So I have like a good amount of clients and not all of them actually even want to be, I, I think it is, it's just not giving them unrealistic goals. Mm -hmm. Like not all of them want to be super fit yeah. and look super fit. And that was my misconception when I started in a sense, yeah. I just thought everybody wanted to look like they were on TV. Mm -hmm. Remember, my uncle was a celebrity trainer. Yeah. So it's this big like, oh, you got to have a six pack. You got to have this. And I pushed to get those kind of results at the beginning almost because I just figured that's what everybody wanted. But I've had clients that came to me at the beginning stages and were like, look, like this is my therapy. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, wow, like just having a great session, doing what I got to do and giving them the information and just keeping them coming. Yeah. was probably the biggest thing and how I was able to like have returning mm -hmm. clients because not all of them wanted to be killed, let's say. Yeah. They actually wanted to come and do their workout but also feel happy or escape something else or just take their mind away from work. Or And I think when we're just too on, when we're too textbook and we're just too strict at points, some clients need it, but when we're too much like that, sometimes we kind of push them away mm -hmm. as opposed to letting them come and get comfortable because like so the thing with my uncle i go back to him is when i would train with him i started to love coming to the gym yeah we would have great workouts great conversations 
see great results and see like the the numbers changing and that was progressive to me and i liked that so i was looking forward to like telling him about what i did that day and i would tell him things like yeah like you know what i'm gonna try this when i get to work and we would talk about that and i get to tell him what i did that day but if you don't have that with your trainer and you're just coming in it's like i already don't want to be here yeah and now i'm coming to see someone i don't want to see so i'm going to stop coming and now i'm going to stop seeing results for sure so i think as long as they're coming they'll be moving better and they'll share their goals with you and you can keep providing information so I've had a lot of clients that lose hundreds of pounds and I have some clients that just gain hundreds of ticks on the happiness scale. Yeah. I think both of them are goals and wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a lot of the, the goal setting that, that trainers do is, is trying to get something that's really easy to, easy to measure, right? Easy to, I wouldn't say accomplish, but to see mm-hmm. and, you know, you talked about losing weight, uh, but a lot of the trainers also that I've worked with have been looking at wanting to, you know, clients who want to put on muscle mass. And so that's what they want to look at. Right. Yeah. And when you evaluate a goal that way or the success of a program in that way, you know, a lot people can become very, um, very, they can lose motivation very quickly if if they don't come out and you know lose 20 pounds in the first week or two right if, if the goals aren't coming fast enough they can start to lose that motivation that's when you maybe see that they're not as motivated anymore and you know it could be because they haven't been explained what the process should be or what the timeline should be for that kind of thing but yeah, I definitely agree that like I've had clients who who came in and uh, she was you know middle aged you know mid forties early fifties um, and w- looked relatively fit herself like looked like she was in pretty good shape she was very strong and she's just like yeah um, literally I like she, I'm like okay like just try and do some goal setting she's like I I just want to train like I literally just want to come here yeah. I want to enjoy my time while I'm here. And if, you know, I feel like I'm working hard and, and, um, it's enjoyable, I'll, I'll just keep renewing hundred percent. And she like renewed like three or four times, um, like year on year. And that's, and that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And yeah. I, th- yeah, I think, sorry, we, I think we often as trainers need that or want that thing. That's that tangible number that, that we don't like things being subjective. Yeah. We like things that are objective, easy to measure. Um, and sometimes when somebody comes in with that, that, uh, subjective goal, we get a little bit scared, right? Because, oh, like, uh, how do I know that I'm getting there? Right. How do I know that I'm helping them? You know, as you say, go up a couple ticks on the happiness scale. How mm-hmm. do I know that they're enjoying their time with me? Um, because so many are so uh, into, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, we're going to do training as if we're bodybuilding or we're going to do some training as if we're powerlifting or we're going to do hit because, you know, um, you want to lose weight or I see that you should lose weight. And so that's what we're going to do as opposed to figuring out what does the client enjoy doing, right? What do, what do they need and what do they enjoy doing and how do I mix all of that together to create this well-rounded program for them, Yeah. right? Um, so I got a couple final questions kind of as we, we finish up. Um, so the first one is 
if you can think forward, um, you know, five, 10 years from now, where do you foresee the, the fitness industry being either as a trainer or, um, as a, as a, as a consumer? So as a, as a, you know, general population fitness enthusiast, where do you see the, the fitness industry being? I actually have no idea. That is a great, great question. Um, 10 years, eight years from now. Let me think 10 years, eight years where I was at, right? Where do I see it being? Definitely, okay, well, I could say this without holding my breath. Trainers having more knowledge and not making people go on BOSU balls and (laughs) try to touch the floor. Using BOSU balls as assessments. I love that. I've actually never seen that before, and I've been around, and I've never seen that as an assessment specifically for core stability needing to touch the ground while standing on one leg i like knowing what i know now like what a guy eh? good old dave yeah i would i would love to know what course he learned that from like beats beats me Mm -hmm. um so i would say 10 years from now we definitely it definitely be something to see well that's why i'm glad i get to, to teach too right yeah to see the trainers doing more appropriate things with their clients That'd be one thing. Another thing, what we just chatted about right now, is not being so concerned about having things we can post on our Instagram feed, Mm -hmm. right? So not these measurable or easy to measure goals that we see. And that's all we think about. Because I do believe if we, again, like I'm not saying we don't also need measurable goals that, you know, like weight loss and things like that. And everybody's different. I understand that. There's not like a one size fits all kind of thing, but Definitely just taking some time to really provide what your clients need to keep them coming to the to the gym. Yeah. So just not being so fixed on seeing these these results that we think are so important. Because if we're not as fixed on that, then we would definitely keep people coming more. And if they came more, they would still get those results over time. Mm-hmm. Granted, they do make changes, right? They would, you know, if it takes them a bit longer, but it's sustainable, I think that's better than having like a six-week challenge that doesn't last all that long. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I would say in 10 years, eight years, where I see where I see it going. Yeah. I'd like to see it go. Hopefully to contribute to that as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there is a lot of, um, it, it is nice to see that there's a lot of education now or accessibility to education now, uh, whether it be, live courses or online courses you have the ability to go and take whatever it is you feel like you need whether it's um you know assessments or programming or lifting mechanics whatever you can go and take those types of courses and they're readily available uh the one thing that i will say is uh it is it is interesting always to see how many trainers take courses that they're interested in for their own lifting and then they almost try to mirror whatever they enjoy onto their clients i've been guilty of that yeah i I think that's a conversation for another time 100 percent. but definitely been guilty of that but that is uh like we'll probably uh when we discuss some stuff on programming at some point that will definitely be a discussion that we have is about that very common theme because I've had this conversation with actually new trainers coming in who've been in a course with me 
and they've had a trainer. Like I asked who's had a trainer before, who had a good experience with that trainer, and they put up their hand for having a trainer and then put down their hand for a good experience with that trainer. And when I find out or I ask a little bit about why they didn't have as great of an experience as they probably should have as a trainer, like being, fitness should be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what they said is, well, they trained me as if I was a power lifter. They wanted to get me into powerlifting meets and I wasn't strong enough to tell them no, because I'm like, they must know something that I don't, that this is really, really good for me. And so I just do what my trainer tells me to do. And this individual ended up getting injured, like seriously injured and, uh, and is still suffering some of the consequences of that injury even now. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a big thing. Um, all right. Last question. Cause I know this has happened to me. Okay. Um, you know, when I first started out as a trainer, I look back at that time and I think to myself, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe I did that. Or I can't believe that I thought that was a good idea. I'm sure Dave is looking back thinking to himself, oh my goodness, I can't believe I thought that standing on one leg on a BOSU with a guy who's 300 plus pounds and trying to get him to touch the ground is a good idea. I really hope so. Right? Um, so just for for the audience, is what is something that you know now that you really wish, like just one thing that you really wish you would have known when you first started? Hmm. One thing I wish I knew then that I know now. Again, what we just spoke about, just it's okay to not be able to lift 100 pounds or have a six-pack in a month or get this measurable goal that a progress picture displays. Mm -hmm. That some people, just everybody's different and identify a bit more with their goal so that they could stick around and just enjoy their training. Really, I would say a- another piece that I wish I knew then that I know now is just like, it's okay. It's okay to not. So what I mean by that is okay. So like with the nutrition, let's say when I first started out, I didn't know all that much about it. Mm-hmm. So I was scared to tell someone it's okay to eat pizza for breakfast. <laughs> like I just thought to myself, like, okay, like you just, it, there is this white and black and you have to give this information and it has to be textbook and you can't, nothing is subjective. Yeah. And then I realized like we're dealing with humans that are humans Yeah. and it's, Hey, did you eat breakfast? And like, no, it's like, Oh, but like I had a slice of pizza. Like don't, okay, cool. You ate something great. Like, okay, so let's, let's build from there. I realized it's okay to start somewhere. Yeah. Small steps. Yeah. And that's something I wish I knew before. It's okay to start somewhere and you can't just throw all this information at once. Mm hmm. So, yeah, that came with uh, experience, too. Yeah, I think oftentimes uh, we we information overload our clients because they want to make changes so quickly that we just feed into that. And like, oh, yeah, you can make changes really quickly and you can lose a lot of weight really fast or put on a lot of muscle mass really fast. But you have to make all of these major changes in your lifestyle, which just aren't sustainable over an extended period of time. Not at all, right? actually. I was actually told a funny joke. It's not funny at all. My, my brother is also a trainer. Yeah. And he was talking about, he was making fun of commercial gyms. It's not funny at all. But what he said to me and just him role playing the scenario, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like so funny. But it's not funny. And he was basically saying, 
you know, client comes in and says, hey, you know, my goal is to lose, you know, 80. No, I want to look like you. Yeah. What do I got to do? How long is it going to take? Yeah. And my brother looked at me. He's like, you look at them and you say one month. Yeah. One month. And you tell them that and it's like one month, but you got to sign up today. Yeah. Right away. And it's like he was kidding. But he's just trying to say like that's like the pressure of like sales. Right. Yeah. So it's like we like just to uh, get people to sign up. We'll say whatever we want. It's unrealistic. And yeah. that does not give them a great experience either. So. Yeah. Uh, so one thing just to kind of finish off for for anybody who's listening, who's not a personal trainer. Uh, just understand that when you are going into a gym, just like Ante just said, you you don't have to you don't have to go in knowing exactly what you want to do, how much weight you need to lose, how much muscle you want to put on. You don't even have to be going into a gym with a very specific or very um, objective measurement that you're going to assess. Just getting moving more is a good idea. Um, but if you are in pain, if you are struggling with knowing what to do, then seek out some information from you know a friend, a, a personal trainer, something like that, who understands what is necessary in order to get to that end. Yes. So. If I could give a message to my people just joining the gym, like like I once was, support team, 100%. If you don't have one, go to the gym. You'll find one. Join a class. Just, you know, what's that saying? You don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great. great yeah. yeah. Just go, like uh, Adam said, and just you'll meet people. It's the most social place in the planet. I know it doesn't look like that coming out. When you get there, you think everyone is just headphones on and they're not willing to talk. Everyone's actually super nice. Well, not everyone, like not Dave, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go there, enjoy it and just go down the rabbit hole and just, that was huge for me too. go down the rabbit hole and just learn stuff, learn, just ask questions. Like, why, why are you doing that? If you see someone doing something, Hey, what does that work? Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you a lot, Ante, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And uh, for everybody listening, we'll see you guys next time. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.